right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show for August 7th. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. If you haven't already, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel as well. Uh, and give us five stars. Hit the notification bell. Support the show that way. Thanks again to Dylan Heiser for his awesome work on production. Want to tell you too about our friends at Homage. Homage is the ultra comfortable specialty apparel company that uses vintage-inspired design to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They offer a range of official licenses, including the NBA, the NFL, WNBA, and more, as well as hundreds of other unique lifestyle and pop culture designs. They're not just another fan t-shirt company. They craft the softest, most nostalgic clothing for sports fans, pop culture aficionados, and everybody in between. Click the link below. Buy yourself something nice. Maybe a nice WNBA shirt for the stretch season run, and some of that money comes back to support us. Brandon and I are both wearing shirts. I have my New York Liberty tee. He's got his Jimmy Butler lasso tee. One a shirt I also own. Thanks to our friends at Homage. Go get yourself a Jimmy Butler tee. Pretty good shirt. Pretty good shirt. Combined. Pretty great the, shirt. Yeah. Did you see Tim, Jimmy Butler in China? Did you see the crowd that Insane. he drew? Insane. Better than Miami's ever done for. Maybe he's headed to Shanghai. Hey, oh, wow. Just throwing darts at the city of Miami before we even get into this pod. Uh, not here to talk about. Okay. Not here to talk about the city of Miami. Today. We're here to talk about Destination NBA, a G League Odyssey, a new documentary that comes out on August 8th on Prime Video. Uh, later in the show, we have interviews with uh, two the, the co-directors of the show, Bryant Robinson and Liam Hughes. They're kind enough to talk to us about the process of making it, talked about how you make something like that, the various stories blended in this. Um, this is uh, It's produced in conjunction with The Ringer and Religion of Sport um, and, and airs on, on Prime. So... Brendan, uh, we'll have the full interview with them obviously coming up later. What did you What did you think of, of this documentary, this look inside the G League? I liked it a lot. It made me think of our conversation about quarterback and making an NBA version because they very much took that same model, which I think is really effective and good, of people at various stages of their pro journeys in basketball, in this case, crossing through the G League at some point in that, but they just multiplied it out by even more, and they had more than just three characters. They had guys who are alumni of the league, whether that's Jalen Green, who passed through Ignite, or guys like Gary Payton, who spent you know a lot of time trying to fight through to really show what can happen. So I just thought they painted a really cool picture of what this league means because it's unique and we talk about it a little bit in the interview but this is not like the minor leagues in baseball it's not like you get drafted and you just kind of progress through and you're eventually destined to be a star in your organization it, it it's much more of a waypoint and i think the way that they made the movie really illustrates that and they got awesome stuff from the guys that details what that's like to go through i agree i think this is one of the best ways i've seen the g league explained 
Um, I, you know, I've covering some G League stuff, talking to people that were on the Cleveland Charge, and and kind of how bare bones some of these organizations can be to compare to their NBA counterparts. It's a whole different world down there. It's a whole yeah. different cast of characters down there. It is more chaotic at times. And I think Waypoint Brendan is a really good way to describe. I think the people that often end up in, in the G League, Scoot Henderson, and and you know, Scoot Henderson, you have Mason Jones. You mentioned Gary Payton the second. You have this like cast of characters that are all in different phases of their life, all kind of converging in this one place. And it's the kind of thing where I think you could do something like this almost every year now with with Ignite. You know, you mentioned this in the interview. Amoni Bates is going to be in the G League this year. That's someone that would absolutely, I think, make fascinating to watch for a year in that way. Um, there's other guys on two ways around the league that I, and now that there's three two ways you could do something with, even if it's just a two way specific documentary, I think you could do something really interesting just on that. This is the the part of the league that has the proximity, but guys that are still very much like chasing something much, even more so, even probably even more pressure, even more uncertainty, you know, than the 15th guy on a roster, right? Because yeah. like they're, they're, they're playing in Sioux Falls and and you know at the Wolseen Center in Cleveland, which is down the street from from Rocket Mortgage. They used to play in Canton, or they're 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 playing in these not as gla- or they're playing in a team's practice facility despite being a pro- yeah. professional, right? Like it's, that's it's a was, very weird part of this. That's what was crazy to me and and is crazy to me about the G League is it's theoretically this much more prestigious opportunity. Like we talk about the competitiveness being probably better than any European league, although I know people can argue that, but definitely better than college basketball. And yet the glamour of it is almost zero. You know, they're they're maybe making more mm-hmm. money than they could elsewhere, but even in some cases, not not really. And I believe, I don't remember which character in the movie it is who says that he turned down an opportunity to play in Spain uh, in order to, to give it a go. And it's like this tantalizing thing where you feel like it's this next step toward the NBA, but it can be like incredibly frustrating for it not to be. Was there what? What speaking of characters, was there one that jumped out to you that you liked the uh, most, Scoot, or felt the most connected Scoot. to Scoot? I I am draw. I, look, that's the obvious answer. I know he's kind of the name of this documentary, so to speak. But how could you not be drawn to Scoot? How can you not be drawn into what this guy is? The confidence he exudes, his story, his physicality at his age. I to me, it is. It is him, the one I, I like. Honestly, Brennan, this was if they in five years come back when he's made some all star teams or something and like patched together part of this footage into footage that they've captured the next five years and did yep. a scoot documentary. This could ju- this could clearly just be like part one of uh, of an amazing scoot documentary. And, and this documentary just furthers my belief that I, th- I just am all in on, on what scoot is going to be as a person and, a, and as, a, as a lightning rod for, for Portland. I loved the family stuff that they got yeah. with him and the the moment where he's at the kitchen table watching the Russell Westbrook highlights and his mom's like, oh, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's Russell Westbrook. And she's like, okay, but like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's just, it's just me watching him. Like that, that's all that's at. Like it, um, I know we've talked around the fact that I know him or have met, met him and, and been around him a little bit. Um, but one of the times that he came to town and was working with our group at my day job was to go to opening night Suns Mavericks last year and watching that thing of him with Russ at the kitchen table, like he watched warmups from the little suite that the NBA bought out for these G league guys, these ignite guys, like it was school. 
like it was a a study plan for a test like he that that feels genuine and and the personality stuff does too like he took the time to ask us about our boring ass university jobs when he was 17 when when we met him last year in his first season there he came up to us and wanted to hear about all the different things we did and whatever so um like that's genuine that is not pumped up for for the documentary and I hope that comes out. Like, I hope the Lillard stuff can clear up and I hope that he can have the type of season we know he's capable of because I think this guy, like, personality-wise is just as much of a star as he is athletically. The The other one I would say is Ryan Terrell because that his story is being somebody who's trying to be... The, coming from a D3 school and trying to be someone who's the first Orthodox Jew to play in the, in the NBA. I think that's, like, such a inversion of the fish-out-of-water story we get a lot in sports and it's just so unique to to him and to this league that i i think that was the other one that i just i wanted to to learn more about and i i it's and he's done some press around this documentary as well there's like a rolling stone story where he, he talked about it a little bit yeah. but like in, in a way that we don't always think about because just I, I don't think we always do he is someone that i'm sure is like to Pete, to young like Orthodox Jewish kids, kind of someone they're like, okay, like as if this guy can pursue his dream, like that. That is just such an interesting inversion of of that kind of story, right? And I think that in itself is interesting. And um, I don't know what his like future, you know, hold is what the chances are, but um, it's a it's a cool story, and it's cool that they got to kind of highlight that in a certain way. Yeah, I was just impressed with the vulnerability that they were able to capture. Maybe it's because they're not the top of the top yet or once were but aren't anymore whatever it might be but there yeah. were a lot of moments in this i think the the gabe york and the denzel valentine portion the denzel valentine me. yeah yeah the denzel valentine one i think is one of those things that really brings us together because that's the one people know but it's yeah. also like it, it's a good part of the of the w of the g league story that there's just guys like that who have been around and have made nba money but are still grinding for the chance to get back when they yeah. probably could go overseas and, and make more money if they really wanted to yeah it was um crazy they they highlight that game of mason jones and the capitanes which i do want to talk about uh yeah versus scoot henderson and ignite and i just went and Googled the box score because I was curious uh, what that looked like. Kenneth Fareed is on the Capitanes this year, as mm -hmm. is, uh, there was a guard too that I'm now trying to find, uh, Shabazz Napier. It's just crazy when you're when you're kind of forced, but it, the, the, the Denzel Valentine thing was just so gut-wrenching because it's like, it just is a reminder that like he didn't pick to be overdrafted. And I think you and I have talked mm -hmm. about this in a couple of other scenarios before of like, it's not his fault that the NBA got carried away from him being at a blue blood. And I think he won national player of the year that year and everything else and ends up being like a disappointment relative to what people thought he might be like, that's not his fault. And then he gets kind of plopped into an uncomfortable situation where he's dealing with a bunch of pressure and just, you know, the idea that he disappointed somebody when, he didn't, you know, he just wasn't good enough to be in the NBA yet. And this might've been the path that he was always destined to take, but instead of doing it as the 50th pick, he did it as the 14th pick or whatever he was. So it brings a lot of that stuff to life in a way that just gets overlooked. Cause you're right. Like I went to a G league game here up North, uh, in, in the woods area of Arizona, which is where our team used to be. We're getting another one soon. And it's like a high school gym, 
you know like these stories yeah. are the epitome of overlooked even though they're names we've heard of and I, I just it's really cool it's a really cool way to do it um what did you think of the mexico city stuff though i thought it was intentional that the nba who is i think also a co-producer on this whole thing chose to highlight that mm -hmm. dynamic because it's a risk for them it's one of only two nba operated franchises in the g league it, it, along with ignite i think it was really interesting i think i'm still i still want to learn more about where this is going you know i think that's part of this kind of intriguing bit to learn more about where this mexico city part of it is going it's interesting. I don't think anyone really seemed overwhelmed by living there. You know, like I, I don't. Th I think it seemed like a lot of guys really enjoyed living there and 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 had a good experience with it. You know, there's a independent of of this documentary. Mark Spears had a story about this um, several months ago as well. That that was yeah. I think kind of emphasized some of the really same good. points. Um, I'm very intrigued by this Mexico City stuff, and I'm and you know this year you have another. If the, we'll see what the final roster looks like and stuff, but this could be it's another year of like NBA older NBA guys kind of pursuing it. It's kind of an interesting thing that those guys are on the forefront of of doing this, right? Like it's not like mm -hmm. I think it's probably intentional. They're not sending like 20 year olds to Mexico City. Like they're sending kind of more established adults who can maybe navigate this a little bit better. Like it's Alfonso McKinney and Kenneth Fareed and and Mason. Oh yeah, Jones Alfonso McKinney. Like, that's the other one I I missed. Yeah. 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 Like he, you he have guys at the, in the in the highlighted game, so his name wasn't on the list, but I did see that. Yeah. And then it's a bunch of Mexican guys, which is cool, obviously yeah. too for the yeah. the crowd. The, the crowd was awesome. And, and it seemed pretty, like, I think they made reference to it being sold out at one point or, like, he mm -hmm. said something about how it was, you know, really exciting to get to kind of be the star player on, on their team. <laughs> I felt like Mason Which, Jones could be in the NBA. <laughs> like, I was watching yeah. and I'm like, 6'8 wing who can kind of defend and shoot. Like, he seemed like the one that I was rooting for the most because it felt realistic. And then I ended up wanting him to, like, get a two-way this year. Well, now, and now he's signed for uh, a team who's, I'm not even going to, DACA, which is the doc. I can't even uh, ex express my ability to, to actually pronounce it correctly, but he's signed to a team in Turkey. Like okay. he has, he has gone. It's like so he's gone overseas. I went and looked this up after the doc. I was like, okay, did he sign it too? Was he on a summer league team or something? He's playing in Turkey next year for Interesting. Uh, a team that goes by DACA for short. Um, so that's in the basketball super league in the Champions League over in Europe. So the last thing I wanted to ask you, and it goes along with the Mexico City part, is the NBA wanting to put something like this together, buying mm -hmm. the Capitanes franchise, choosing very distinctly to handle Ignite themselves. It feels like they want this to be looked at more and be something. Do you think we're there yet? No, no, I don't think we're there with any of this until you start seeing some of these G League teams in other markets, I think, kind of have a little more cachet. Um, I think one of the, the parts of the documentary that I, I would, you know, this is maybe like a question worth asking, but I, I think Denzel Valentine would be like a great person to ask this about, or I think even, even Scoop. Some of these G League crowds are like very, not they're not big. Right, like the Capitanes is like the one exception in a lot of ways. You go to a a you know a Motor City Cruise game, or I mean, Cleveland even Church the game. Victor versus Scoot showcase at the Ignite then, Home Arena was like empty. Yeah, there is something very like weird about how you know. I think it's very cool that like you go overseas and you have this product that they're developing there in that market, and there's clearly interest there. 
but I think the G League won't. I I think the fact that like. I would bet you your average NBA fan still has a and I, I think this documentary could have a, a role in in maybe dispelling some of those understandings. I, I think that would kind of be my hope if I'm the league. I think until you can get like a better a your average NBA fan can kind of better explain what the G League is and B some of these games feel like some of these organizations and and events feel like bigger deals that they can have better crowds for. Um, and look, I, I would I would add that there are times that like I you know Cleveland moved theirs from Canton to Cleveland. I think there's like there are logistical reasons for that to make a lot of sense. But there's times where I think the the Canton Ohio crowds because it was like a local thing did better than like them being yeah. a mile down the street from Cleveland. I think there's there's something still to figure out with what you're doing with this as an actual basketball product that can get a lot of eyeballs on it. And I'm sure if you're someone who has played in front of a lot of crowds before, that that part of this feel has to feel very very weird. Well, I think the part that you said that's right about what the NBA might be hoping for with something like this, or even to have the Ignite, which is much more of an Ignite thing than a G League thing, but even having them involved in the all-star festivities and and different ways that they're slowly trying to integrate it. I think that they had a G League all-star team has done some stuff in the past. I think at Summer League they had, they put a group together and, and things like that is to get the athletes to attach less stigma to it. So I think you're totally right there that it's like maybe the target audience in terms of acceptance is more of the athletes to be, to look at it as something, even international players to look at it as more of an inroads to coming to the NBA than just toiling away on, you know, the eighth man spot on their hometown team in whatever country they're from and, and things like that. But I think you're also totally right about the, the, the growth of the, the G league itself. When I think about minor league baseball, I agree. The small towns that don't get this stuff should be the targets. I understand that that's maybe even like baseball teams would prefer it not be that way, but baseball parks are pretty big and and they don't always get their, their choice there. It's probably not fun to have to manage something that's out in the middle of the sticks, so to speak. But I think it really helps generate interest and generate excitement around the thing when it's the only show in town, so to speak, and people can really glom onto it. But I think the other part is if more stars or like, signature prospects start to see it as something worth pursuing and and committing to then there will be actual talent to go watch instead of this guy you once heard of or that guy who might be something it's like i mean amani bates is a great example hey it's amani bates this is where he plays buy a ticket you know what i mean um but right now it's it's a bunch of names you forgot about or people you don't know yet and that's that's what makes it a tough sell from like a business standpoint to generate interest but if we see more guys take it seriously and you live in a city where there's not an nba team or you can't afford to go to an nba game from a business standpoint i think that's how it starts to kind of build because minor league baseball is successful in some places and i don't see why this couldn't be the nba the nba seems to care about it a lot more than mlb cares about minor league baseball you know so yeah at I least see why at least it from a, be. A, a labor perspective at the very yeah. least um yeah yeah i would want to see like you know like uh if there was like a bonus content on this it'd be like okay what is it like for the iowa wolves in des moines you know or like the sioux falls team like let's go to mm-hmm. like let's go to these areas like the the west the knicks the knicks team plays in freaking westchester like they're they're not even in new york like they're outside they're in the burbs of new york you know mm-hmm. like i'm sure a lot of guys probably like commute in from the city or something i don't you know i there's there's so many logistical parts of this story that i think will be really interesting to see or the fact that like denver like denver seems in is 
Um, is it is it not in Michigan? If it's the Grand Rapids, like, I believe. I think in, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even like, the fact right that we haven't even had like the Suns sold there, so we're back to 29 going on 30. But Portland only just this year is going to finally have one. So like we are in the infancy of this thing, but I'm very curious what the NBA's plans are and just the fact that they are moving forward in these strategic ways coupled with, oh, maybe the G League could be in the in-season tournament one day and kind of that stuff being rumored around and everything else. It's like you're running 30 basketball teams. It'd be a waste not to care about it. So I'm glad they finally are. I just don't know what their plans are. I thought I think this will go a long way to just showing people what it's really like, though. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, cannot recommend people check out this document enough if you're a basketball fan. If you're intrigued by the G League, it's, it's really worth your time. Um, and there's real basketball in it. It's not just like a yes. bunch of sappy yeah, there's stuff. Like a, it's like it is, this guy's in the gym. What is that like for him? What's practice look like? What's the coaching look like? All that stuff. This is, the, I guess this is maybe something we said, should have said off the top on this. This is the kind of documentary you would never get about an NBA team anymore. Yeah. Like, you, like the Portland Trailblazers are not are not going to willingly give this kind of access on Scoot Turkey or necessarily. This is what happened when the N- the NBA had a meeting. Like, could we do hard knocks? Could we do the all in thing that Prime Video is doing? And then they were like, No, our players would never go for that. And then some intern was like, What if we did the G League? And then they all liked it, and it turned into something really good. But this is this is the closest you'll get from a basketball standpoint to any of that so, stuff, which is okay. all great. I mean, we all love those types of things. Do we think the players are greeted or do you think it's PR teams freaking out about like the optics of it? Even though that's like, that's, I that's, think it's that's, the PR teams and the team executives knowing that even if they brought their team into a show like that, that every NBA star would take how much of a fit Aaron Rodgers has been throwing about hard knocks being covering the jets this year and multiply that by three because NBA players are paranoid and do not like to be in the spotlight. (laughs) And they're like, let's all make a great business decision to not even bother with that. But the access they got to these guys makes me okay with that. Like I don't want 2% of coverage of round Kevin Durant from what he wants us to see. I'll take like 150% on scoop because it really worked. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, next up, we are talking to Liam Hughes and Brian Robinson, the co-directors of Destination NBA. Again, check out the stock August 8th on Prime Video. Here's an interview with Liam and Brian. We're thrilled to be joined now by Liam Hughes, co-director of Destination NBA, a G League Odyssey, which premieres August 8th on Prime Video. Liam, thank you so much for coming on the Just Basketball Show. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. So let's let Brendan, you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, what I really want to know is just jumping off, like we had a chance to watch the doc and, and we're basketball nerds and even just any any Hoops fan is going to recognize a lot of the people, uh, whether it's Scoot Henderson, who just got drafted third overall, or the names and faces of alumni of the G League or even some of the guys that might be kind of, I remember them from, from college and everything else. But what I'm curious to start off is just mm-hmm. what your connection was to the G League, what your relationship was to the league and to the players in it kind of before the project, and then maybe what you learned or the biggest thing you came away thinking differently about with this group of guys and just the kind of organization of everything down there after finishing the project. Well, it's an easy answer in a lot of ways. I didn't have one. (laughs) I, I didn't know much about the G League at all. 
Um, I'm an NBA fan myself. I'm from the Bay Area, so shout out Warriors. Um, but I didn't know much about the G League at all. Um, and I think, honestly, that that was a big part of um, the NBA's desire to do this project. Uh, the G League has been growing so much um, in terms of its quality, uh, its reach, how, how connected it is to the NBA. Um, but I don't think that uh, people know about it. You know, it's, it's like it's one of those things where the quality and the size of the league has grown, but the, um, the knowledge about it and the access hasn't. And I think that was a big part of the reason that the NBA wanted to do this project. They felt like it was time for this league to get some shine. Um, and we agreed, you know, once we started looking into it, the, the, the level of player that's there, like you said, the different types of players, the G League is now an alternative path to the NBA. You mentioned Scoot Henderson. Um, it's a place where it is the premier place now where guys go that don't get drafted to the NBA, um, that, that classic path to the NBA, if you will. Um, it is the premier place for guys to, to prove themselves, to, to test themselves, to develop as players, and to make it to the NBA. Um, and so we learned that pretty quickly. Um, and then we started thinking about, okay, like what are the different archetypes of players that are in this league that we're seeing? Um, you have your, your young phenoms like Scoot Henderson. Um, you have your ex-college standouts like, like Denzel Valentine. You have your hidden gems like Gabe York. And we really started to think about these different archetypes um, and the different type of guys that we were going to meet in the G League. And that's how we built our uh, cast of subjects, if you will, was we really wanted to give a broad, um, a broad feeling for the type of guy that's playing in the G League. When you get approached to do this, you guys take this on and you're saying, okay, I need to teach myself about this. I need to, to learn about this before I start maybe diving in. What was the process like of, of learning about this and learning about the G and learning about what you were really diving into with this project? Craig, question. I think that um, it began with, you know, the, your kind of G League 101 education, right? I had no idea that there were so many teams. Uh, this past season, there were 28 teams, uh, 28 affiliated teams of 30 NBA teams. This year, it will be 29 because the Portland Trailblazers just added their team, Rip City. Um, the, G, the G League Ignite is an MB, in, independent team run by the NBA. Um, and then the Mexico City Capitanes are the first professional Mexican sports team to compete full time in an American league. Um, and all you had to do is tell me that. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> okay. So let's go, let, let's go see a bit, of, a bit more about this. And I think that like the biggest thing that jumped out to me was how connected the leagues have become. Um, I think the, the most, the most obvious way is with the two way contracts that now every NBA team has two, two way contracts, players that can play for, uh, both the NBA team and the G League affiliate. And also just how connected the, the teams are becoming, the main Celtics and the, and the Boston Celtics, for example. Uh, Denzel Valentine talked a lot about how he did, you know, he started with Boston preseason on E10, ended up with the main Celtics. And he's like, dude, organizationally across the board, we're doing things the same way in Maine as they're doing in Boston. And that's more and more common now. Um, the, the NBA teams are looking at their G League teams as a place where we can develop players, we can develop coaches, and we can develop them to play in the system that we play in in our NBA team. So if a player comes up here, they're not behind the, they're not behind the count. They're not behind the eight ball. They know how we do things. They know what's expected of them because we run things the same um, 
over the course of our whole organization. Um, so that was really, that was really interesting to see, you know, this is a professional league. And when we talked to some of the guys, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Steph, uh, sorry, Seth Curry, guys who were in the G league when it was the D league, <laughs> they were like, let me tell you something, right. This league has come a long way. So I think that became our second level. So that became my second level of education was talking to the guys who were there, you know, 10 years ago and what it looked like then versus what it looks like now. That's when it becomes, it starts to become clear just how far this league has come. One of the things for me in the doc that really stood out was how you guys blended a bunch of different backgrounds. Got you have, you know, you mentioned Enzel. There's there's someone in Mexico City. You have a player trying to become the first Orthodox Jewish player to play in the NBA. You have Scoot Henderson, who's this budding superstar. So, what was it like bl- trying to blend all these different stories from these very different backgrounds into one documentary, into one narrative, so to speak? It was, it was a challenge, you know, one, one narrative with a limited amount of time. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, it started with kind of the structure. We knew we wanted to check in with each guy. Um, we needed to introduce each guy. We wanted to check in with them throughout the season. Um, but you know, like in some ways, uh, there was no rhyme or reason to how we bounced between the players. It was really about developing their individual story arcs and then finding like what we really wanted to do was link these guys, right? We wanted to, we wanted to connect them through their common goal and their shared love of basketball Um, because they all have such different stories. They all have such different backgrounds, but they all have the same goal, which is to make it to the NBA. And they, and that, that story plays out in the same place for all of them, which is on the basketball court. So what our big goal was to connect them through that shared goal and on the basketball court. So there are some, some instances where we were able to kind of transition between guys on the court. You saw that a lot more in, in kind of act one when we were setting it up. Um, so we really wanted to show kind of communicate that these guys are all on their own journeys, but they're also on the same journey, right? They all have the same destination in mind. They all have the same goal. Um, and achieving that goal and reaching that, that promised land requires a lot of the same things, right? Commitment, resiliency, not giving up, obviously high skill level, um, continuing to develop the same, the same things are required of all of them to reach that place, but they all have such different and unique journeys in getting there. And I think that's, what's so, so fascinating. Uh, I have uh, another question for you, but we actually have a surprise additional guest here, which is uh, Brian Robinson, the additional co-director of the (laughs) wonderful documentary that we're discussing here, Uh, and one-upping all of us in terms of background. We were talking about years, Liam, before we hit record, and Brian is just uh, outpacing all of us with that greenery and uh, blue sky behind. Um, Oh, we lost him momentarily, but I I want to jump in, and uh, he'll be back in a second. I want to just ask you, either of you guys, if, if Brian, you want to jump in, is it really hit me in the, the part where you hear different guys. I, I think somebody's getting uh, stretched out or rolled out on, a, on the training table and he jokes about, like, throws, like, the Giannis quote out there. And he's like, you know, the, you got to, you know, want to be the greatest to be the greatest or something to, along those lines. And, like, having spent a little bit of time around G League guys and you kind of hear that and it's like, as as much as that was a joke like you do kind of catch that dynamic of like they're they're speaking about the nba and and kind of this like 
aspirational way and like they feel that proximity to it but you also in the doc i think did a great job of it's like just out of reach or like they're always kind of like it's one stair step away um i'm sure it jumped out to you guys when you started interview these these folks too but how did you go about trying to capture that dynamic with the way that you structured things or just kind of the moments you chose to capture from their personal lives and those behind the scenes things to kind of paint that picture of where they are in their careers and what this unique league is because it's not like the baseball minor leagues where it's like you're on your way to something no matter what these guys it is a big question of whether they'll get there that's a great. That's a great clock. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the the clip that you're referring to is, uh, I, I think, was said by Mason Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's actually one? Of, who's actually one of my favorite characters in the in the movie. He's, you know, uh, very uh, polarizing, <laughs> for lack of better words. He'll, he he speaks his mind. He's not he's not uh he's he's never scared to say exactly how he feels, and um, that's why he was one of one of my favorite characters of, of, of the movie. I don't even know if I should say that. I mean, obviously we have Scoob. We have so many great guys. Denzel uh, love them all for their own reasons. But you know, to answer your question, um, you just really have to form this relationship with these guys where they feel like they can trust you to even speak their minds. You know, I think it just starts with trust. Finding out, finding out ways to allow these guys to just be themselves, you know, um, feel, being on the court and, 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 and being one of the best players in the G League is, is one aspect of things for these guys. You know, they're, they're used to cameras on the court, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having cameras in their bedrooms <laughs> and having cameras in their living rooms is like a whole other story, you know, like imagine if we put a camera in your bedroom or in your, in your story when you're, you know, you're exhausted, you just played a you know, uh, the hardest game of, 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 of the season so far, and now we have a camera in your room, you might want us to get out of there. You're right, let alone talk about, you know, how you feel and, 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 and how, how far you might feel from the NBA or how, how the game didn't go the way that you expected it to go. So I think it just starts with trust. Um, Liam, I'm sure you have a lot to say there too about that question. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I... I mean, trust is everything, right? Trust is definitely everything um, when we're trying to get these guys to open up. Um, I'll take a slightly different angle on the, on the answer, though. Thinking about that moment, you know, I think what he says is it's lonely at the top, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that um, it's a lonely journey for all these guys, you know? And I think that that's something I definitely noticed is that they're all, again, they're all fighting in the same arena. They're all fighting for the same goal. Um but it is really lonely. And I think especially in the G League, one thing we talked a lot about and Gabe York, you know, was very honest about it in the film is that you're competing against your teammates in the G League, right? Like like the, a G League title, they won't say no to it, but that's not the goal, right? You go into a G League season as a G Leaguer, your goal is to get an NBA contract and get to the NBA. And that's the goal of the, every guy on the team. So you're kind of – you're playing together – you're trying to beat the other team. You're trying to win the championship, but you're also competing against your teammates to be the one who gets the two-way or the 10-day, you know? So it's kind of like, it's very lonely, I think, for these guys. Um, someone like, I mean, someone like Scoot with the amount of attention that he gets at 18, like n- nobody can relate to that, you know? It's it's lonely. And I think that that's in some ways what, what Mason was was getting at in that moment, obviously in a very mason way (laughs) um but that was something that 
I, I really wanted us to capture it. And, and in general with professional athletes, like it, it's something that's, that's, that's glamorized from the outside. But once you get inside of it, it's really not that glamorous a lot of times. You know, it's, it's really hard work. It's a really tough mental struggle day to day. Um, and that's something that I think is super important to portray in these sports docs. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I think too the 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 longer shots and the darker kind of lighting and everything. I I I could feel that 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 was kind of what was was trying to come across. I mean, the the thing you you talked about Mason and and liking him as a character. I I, I the line that jumped out to me the most uh, from from this standpoint was was also his, which was the the honesty about being on the Rockets that first year and feeling like wanting to get better and almost like asking too many questions and like pushing too hard was what like cost him that shot. That was kind of crazy. Cause you know, you would just think like, that's what a coach would want. I could, I could totally imagine being in his shoes and being like, let me go ask coach what, what I need to work on or let me kind of get to the front of the line for this drill or whatever. And then to hear him kind of say like, I think that was, I think that was the problem. Like that, that just hit me. I mean, I don't know if, if you guys, uh, mm-hmm. have any specific thoughts, but I just, uh, it, it was impactful to me. I, I feel like these documentaries are, are therapeutic for these athletes, you know, to some degree. So mm. I feel like what, what I'd be interested in the most I'll, after this is that, you know, after this movie comes out on August 8th is I'd love to watch it with these guys and see how they receive the film themselves, you know, because he, to, to, to your, to your, to your point of, you know, Mason says that he asked too many questions. Like, what does that actually mean? And that's, that's something that I think Liam and I both wrestled with. Like, what does that actually mean? And I think over time, you know, and, and being able to spend more time with, with Mason, I think what I, for, for, I'll speak for myself, like what, what I personally realized was that what I think that that means is that maybe he was a little bit actually more of a hothead and, 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 and then, then he should have been about, mm-hmm. you know, the things that he wanted to get out of the NBA. You know, these guys who are coming from the G League and entering the NBA are, you know, they're, they're coming with this level of, of aggression. And, um, and, you know, they, they've worked so hard that once they get there, you know, they, they're, they're kind of anxious. They want to stay there, you know. So, I, so what I, one thing that I realized about Mason, one thing I picked up about him is that he's so passionate that sometimes that passion actually translates into, you know, he can easily come off as too aggressive. And I think I would imagine, and you know, I could be wrong, but I, I could imagine um, him asking some of these questions to his coach in a very like overly passionate way, you know, and, um, yeah. and maybe that has a little bit more, more to do with it, but I don't know, man, that your question is actually why I'm so excited about this movie to come out. I want to see how these guys receive the film and hopefully we get a, you know, season part two, a uh, part two to this, to this entire movie. Cause I'd love to just continue to like understand and, 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 um, and, and explore these characters minds and, 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 and get deeper and deeper with them. You know, we spent, you know, six or seven months with these guys. It's very hard to, 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 to get extremely deep with someone in that short amount of time. I think we did a really great job with, you know, revealing a lot of layers to these guys, but you know, the, I, there's always more work to be done. So that's my answer to that, to that one. No, I, I think that's, that's great. I mean, I would, 
I would love it um, if, if if we could. I mean, the same guys, new guys. Like I even think of you know Chris being based in Cleveland and Amani Bates, somebody like that who is is going to probably be starting their career. There's so many different types of career checkpoints that happen in in the G League. But uh, I wanted to ask you about Scoot Henderson because I'm sure. You know, a lot of NBA fans will be tuning in to, to hear and see more about him. He's somebody who's going to get a lot more admirers as his career begins this year in Portland. Um, what's something you saw just being around Scoot that might not be obvious to the average NBA fan who's just getting to know him or maybe just heard of him in June for the first time? But So let's just, let's just start with a photo of Scoot Henderson. You know, what does he look like? He looks like a like a god of an athlete <laughs> this guy's huge you know <laughs> i mean at least to, to me you know when i'm standing next to this guy even in person I'm, i just look at him and i think wow this guy is i'm, I'm looking at a 36 year old man <laughs> who's just been lifting weights his whole life but then you but then you meet him and you speak to him and you listen to him and you re- and you really you know get pulled back to reality which is that this guy is you know 18 19 years old um and i think that that's something that comes across in the film. You really get to see how, at the end of the day, outside of all the cameras, lights, uh, and, and action around this guy, he's, he's just a kid, you know, and he's he's coming into himself as as, as a man, and um, and I think that's something that people just don't wouldn't be able to get unless they saw the film or unless they were friends with Scoot. You wouldn't be able to understand that he has, you know, this like very pure innocent child you know like younger um personality and, and way of seeing things and, and there's a lot of things that are still foreign and new to him um you know he's obviously a superstar and he's built and he's ready for the league but you know things like finding his voice and leadership are things that i think that he's continuing to develop yeah well and, uh, and i would say the other another thing that um that really jumped out for me about Scoot is just how important his family is to him and, and his success and his growth. Um, and, and I think across the board with these guys, the, the support systems they have are so important. We meet Gabe's girlfriend in the series. We, in the film, sorry, we meet uh, Ryan Terrell's family. Uh, we meet Scoot's family, um, Mason's girlfriend. I mean, all these guys really rely on their support networks. And I think that that's especially true of Scoot and his family. I mean, if, if you watch the draft, you saw them doing a photo. The Henderson Seven, they have a sign for the, the seven kids and stuff. Like, they're so deeply connected. Um, and obviously his dad was a big part of training him growing up. And um, that's so important to them. Uh, and then I think the other thing that I would say, and this, this kind of ties back to your last question as well, is a, a common theme that comes up again and again is these guys, they all say, control what you can control, control what you can control. You know, I'm just going to control what I can control. And, and, and I think that's for a guy like Scoot who um, has such high expectations, right. Awaiting him, the weight of the world on his shoulders as he, as he enters adulthood at the ripe age of 18, like that is, inc- it's an incredible amount of pressure but I think that that mindset of I'm just going to control what I can control, which is get up, go to the gym, train, listen to my coaches, you know, take care of my nutrition, take care of my health, go to bed, wake up, repeat. Like that's, that's so important to his mentality. And I think so important to a lot of these guys. And I think it was a big part of Mason's lesson, right? Again, tying back to what we, to what we were talking about earlier, like 
he he's like control what you can control now that's what i've learned is don't ask questions you know work hard and prove it it's like actions speak louder than words right it's kind of it kind of comes back to that so but scoot is uh, so impressive. That, he's, yeah. he's just such an impressive yeah. young man he is yeah let's let's end on one last question was there something in this documentary from either of you that didn't make the final cut that you wish would have that that is stuck in your brain for whatever reason is there something that ended up on the cutting room floor that it stuck with you even if maybe the viewer is not going to get to see that in the final product uh, yeah there <laughs> i can go first you know i won't say the exact line of what um you know you know liam you go first <laughs> There, I mean, I think there's that, so many, I think that there's for so many, me, there's so many, there's, there's so many things that that, that, that that I can think of. So I want to hear Liam, what, what you think first. Well, I think that uh, you know, I think that I'll give a. I, it's kind of a broad answer, but you know, our biggest challenge was kind of narrowing down the field here, um, in terms of who, how many guys we were able to feature, and what we ended up doing, you know, is we have our five main, um, we have our five main guys, and then each of them kind of has an ancillary subject, as we were calling it, where that helps us better understand the main subject journey, right? So whether that's Ryan Terrell's parents who kind of represent his higher purpose and, and um, helped us understand his impact in the Orthodox Jewish community, whether it was Trevlin Queen for Gabe, who kind of represents the guy who, who he's competing with, um, whether it was Pooh being the, the mentor and mentee relationship with Scoot. But we have so much more content with Pooh, with Fiondu Cabangale in Maine, with Treble and mm. Queen, with Pooh Jetter, that we just we just didn't have space for, you know. So I think really that's that that would be my answer is like it's whole characters <laughs> that I really wish we could have we could have dug into more because, I mean, you see how you see how amazing these five guys stories are. We could have done that with four more guys, you know. So I think it's like, Pooh I think could that have was, a documentary about him uh, by himself. <laughs> yeah. Who is a you said character yeah. as like a movie character, but Pooh is a character like a a person character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, okay, so th there's a scene with Fee Cabangeli when he's sitting in his hotel room, and he is his hotel room is essentially a. I'm, I'm sorry, his, his apartment room is essentially a, a small hotel room. Um, and you know, if you know anything about Fee Cabangeli, you know that this guy is a giant of a human. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly how tall he is, but we, we can look it up. But he's extremely tall. He's extremely wide. Um, we're spending some time with him in his room, and he's sitting on this couch, and he's making this like long couch look like a like a foldable armchair. <laughs> That's how big this guy is. And um, when he when he when he stands up, you know, when, when he stands up, I kid you not, um, he's about three inches away from his head is three inches away from touching the ceiling of his room. And, you know, we're, we're all in this room. Some of us get out of the room because, you know, it's not a lot of space, not a lot, of, not a lot of oxygen in this room. And we're trying to, like, save it so that we can actually, like, film this, you know, good, competent interview, um, you know, without, without sweating profusely and without, without having to, like, cut it short because of lack of oxygen, literally. And I ask him about this room, and I'm expecting, you know, him to complain about this room and talk about how he just can't wait to get out of it so that he can get into the NBA and make all this money and buy this mansion and buy this, buy this house, you know, buy these cars and all this stuff. So I asked him about the room and he looks at me and with a big, the biggest smile on his face, he goes, I love it here. 
I love it. I, I love it here. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why do you love it here? You're like, we're in a, we're, we're like in a, we're in hell. <laughs> and he's like, no, we're not actually. He's, he goes, the reason why I love it here is because no matter how far I get in life, this is always, this being in this room is always going to ground me. And it's always going to mm. remind me of how far I've come. And I'm always going to look back when, you know, look back to this moment where my, where I was an inch away from the ceiling and I'm going to just be thankful. And it just reminds me that, um, the grind never stops. And, and if, and no matter how far I get, there's always going to be someone like me in this room grinding just as hard as I thought I needed to grind to be wherever I get to. So I need to remember that so that I always have that motivation to continue to grind as hard as I possibly can. And just this perspective on this, on this room. I, I mean, I wish I could send you a photo of how small this room was. Um, it just blew me away. And, and that, you know, that basically shows you guys just how great this film, you know, whoever's for whoever's reading or listening, that basically shows you how great of a film this actually is because if that scene got left on the cutting room floor, like <laughs> just imagine what's actually in the movie. Yeah. Guys, I'll give you, I'll give you a fun for, one as well. Yeah. I'll give you a fun one as well. Yeah. <laughs> there was one moment where, where, where we were, we were talking to Scoot uh, and he was saying, he was saying something to his mom about maybe something that the first lady had said. And she goes, no, no politics, bro. Come on, no politics. <laughs> and we, we ended up leaving that one on the cutting room floor. But I just thought that was kind of funny, like knowing that, knowing the minefield that this kid is walking into as just a, a yeah. famous professional athlete. That to, to hear his mom be like, hey, 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 let's not talk. Yeah, about don't even, don't even hey, say the word. Yeah, let's just, yeah. let's just avoid all of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can. I, I, I'm gonna ask you off air what I think that might have been about, and I'll see if we'll see if I'm right or not. All right, thank you guys so much for coming I on. Uh, I have a, I have a guess based. If there's, there's a basketball related thing to that that I have a guess of what that might have been, but I don't know when you guys are working yeah. on this, yeah. and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But uh, again, you guys can check out Destination NBA: A G League Odyssey, directed by these two wonderful gentlemen. It premieres on Prime Video. On August say thank you guys so much for coming on the Just Basketball Show to talk all about it. Thanks for having us.